0: Of the day okay. when you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers all on three one, two, three, playmakers. touchdown Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holt is with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with Matt Stat himself, Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen. And yes, if you think we're back in 2020 protocol, we are, and that's why. Uh, Matt and I are coming to you via Zoom and not in studio. The memo came down over the weekend, man. I'm just going to be, and by the way, our Defending the Kingdom podcast are brought to you by 360 Vodka, Kansas City's hometown vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs, perfect for the holidays. Just be responsible. Uh, but, uh, Matt, you and I were going to chill out this weekend. Man, I couldn't wait. Exhilarating victory over the Chargers on a Thursday night. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to forget the world. And then Friday, a memo comes down of like, (laughs) and so that's where we're at, man. We're in the 2020 realm. That's okay. We'll, as coach would say, we'll power through it.
1: Yeah, we'll power through it. Never a dull moment in the NFL, right? And yeah, amazing victory on Thursday. It was incredible. You and I couldn't stop smiling even until that wee hours of the morning flying home. I, I crawled into bed at like 4.30 in the morning and I still couldn't sleep. I was so pumped up after that win. Uh, but yeah, we're back, you know, in twenty twenty mode for the most part, and it's for the best. I think you know we want to protect our team. This team can accomplish a lot this year, and if it's small sacrifices on on our end of having to be remote and virtual, uh, really no big deal. I'm looking right now at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. That's my view. I'm in the national radio booth in the press box, so it could be worse. So you're doing
0: national radio for this game on Sunday? That would be uh, that'd be big news. Walk me through some of our folks that have checked in around the world that are defending the kingdom, listeners and viewers.
1: Yeah, so we got a whole bunch because we didn't do a show last week. So we have uh, two weeks worth, basically. So I'll start with Bill in Ecuador. What's up, Bill? We have a fan in Germany. We have Andy and Agnes in the Philippines. So Andy is from Blue Springs originally, met his wife in the Philippines, has since converted her. He says that uh, because of the time difference, they can't really cheer too loud because it's like four in the morning when Chiefs games are on. But, you know, when the moment calls for it, they cheer pretty loud. We have a fan in Mexico, uh, Mark in Canada, and then Lamont in Perth, Australia, then a whole bunch just all over the country. So bear with me here. Get comfortable, Mitch. So remember the, the two brothers that we called out in Australia and Vietnam a few weeks ago? So they reached out to me, and they said that they'd be remiss if their parents weren't recognized because their parents are huge Chiefs fans. So Adrian and Betty and Becky, Adrian and Becky Schottenkirk in Overland Park, pretty cool story here actually. So uh, Adrian was in the army, so they watched Super Bowl IV way back in the day in Germany, stationed abroad while he was in the army. So pretty cool stuff there. Uh, John in Westfield, New Jersey. His dad had season tickets when the Chiefs first moved to Kansas City. Porter in Iowa, Kevin in Haverhill, Massachusetts, Jeff in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He was born in Pittsburgh, Kansas and grew up in Olathe, but has been out in Wyoming and Colorado, that general area, for about 30 years now. Uh, Craig in Washington, D.C., JJ in Oregon, Tim in Prescott, Arizona, Van in Green Valley Lake, California, a fan in Colorado Springs, Paul in Leesville, Louisiana, John in Cody, Wyoming. Cody in Taylor, Missouri, so he ran into you apparently at the Super Bowl last year in the concessions line, and he hasn't forgotten it, so Cody remembers you, Mitch. We have Kyle in Shin Chin, Kansas, Mason in Northeast Kansas, Shelley in Salina, Kansas. We have a fan in Carthage, Missouri, a fan in Hannibal, Missouri, Derek listening from about 60 miles southeast of where we are right now at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, Julio in South Kansas City. He travels all over the place, though, and takes us with him whenever he travels, And then lastly, Mitch, we have Tristan in San Diego, but he grew up in Phillipsburg, Kansas. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Look past that. They're all, all, you know, the Chiefs kingdom is so uniting, although Pittsburgh is the Pittsburgh, sorry, Phillipsburg, the arch rival of Smith Center, just 30 miles west. You've been to Smith Center, you know the geography, but hey, we'll look past it and uh, keep repping the Chiefs in SoCal because San Diego is where we've gained a lot of fans with the Chargers moving to L.A., San Diegans aren't exactly fired up about L.A., so they've adopted the Chiefs, so we'll take them. Uh, but let's deal with the. we got a two-part defending the kingdom here, and the first part is what has been the strong winds uh, blowing throughout the Chiefs' kingdom since Monday, quite honestly. And that has been the uh, group of uh, folks that have been put on the uh, – group of players put on the COVID-19 list for testing positive. That's where we're going to start. Now, there was some good news. Now, with Defending the Kingdom, we know it's not a live show. It has to have a shelf life over several days and sometimes weeks and months. But we would tell you we are taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. We do know LeJarrius Sneed is back from his bereavement leave, bereave leave from his terrible situation uh, in Louisiana right before the game against the Raiders. But also Willie Gay Jr. and Josh Gordon back from that COVID list. That's good to have him back on the field. How encouraged are you by that news?
1: Well, it's great news. I mean, if you look at yesterday, so on Tuesday, when the list just kept piling up, all you want is some good news, right? And you just want to hear news about guys coming back, guys getting healthy, guys rejoining this team, because we know what this team can accomplish. When this team is at full strength, hitting on all cylinders like they are right now, I truly don't think anybody can beat us right now. So you want to have all your guys, particularly in the home stretch here. Uh, so to get Willie Gay back, to get Lajarius Sneed back, uh, and Josh Gordon back is all very exciting. Willie Gay has been so good this year, just as a, a every-down linebacker. He can run laterally. Um, sideline to sideline, he can cover with the best of them. Had that interception on Daniel Jones several weeks ago uh, against the Giants. But he's also good in run defense. So having Willie Gay in the second level of that defense is so huge uh, going into the Steelers game against a guy like Najee Harris. Getting Josh Gordon back, we don't know the status of of all our pass catchers, guys like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So Josh Gordon, the last time we saw him on the field, he scored a touchdown. So maybe he can build on that performance uh, after coming off the COVID list. And then LeJarius Sneed, you know, this is one of those situations where – it's so much more important than football. We wanted him to take his time to be with his family, to do what he needed to do. But then it's so great to have him back, to welcome him into a team environment where these guys can support him and lift him up. So for him as a person, I'm so glad that he's back. But also on the field, he's arguably this team's best corner. Very excited to have Legereus Snead back in the fold too.
0: Yeah, just a terrible situation for Legereus and his family. But uh, prayers and thoughts as he recovers and his family deals with the situation in Northern Louisiana. Okay. Now we hope it was the apex of the matter, but as really as of Wednesday morning of the week of the Steelers week, there were 16 players on that COVID-19 list, 13 active members, and then three members of the uh, practice squad. We mentioned two guys come back off that list with Willie Gay Jr. and Josh Gordon. To me, though, and that memo that came down this weekend that kind of changed the relaxation time was the new protocols put in place for the most part. And it's complicated. It talks about CT levels. But overall, to summarize, and I'm going to get your reaction to this, that it is a much easier path to test out to get back onto the field, meaning basically two decision boxes here. Is a player symptomatic? or asymptomatic. B, is a player vaccinated or not vaccinated? And if you can check the asymptomatic box and the vaccinated box, there's a pretty quick path to me to get back on the field, again, hitting the right CT levels and doing the uh, proper testing.
1: Yeah. And we're not going to pretend to be doctors or scientists, uh, but this is where we, we lean on Rick Burkholder, who's of course our vice president of sports medicine and performance Um, He knows what he's doing in this space, and he trusts the science, and he follows the science, and I trust and follow whatever he thinks. And he's actually been one of the influential figures who have helped kind of construct and create uh, what the league protocols are. So we're lucky that we have a guy like Rick and his amazing staff kind of leading this and spearheading this uh, and and getting us through it. And the reality is, in the era that we live in right now, this was probably going to happen at some point. Just when it happens, you want to have the right people in place like we do with Rick and with our coaching staff and Coach Reed to get through it and to make sure it doesn't get too crazy and become a situation where you can't feel the team. The good news is we have the staff in place to make sure that doesn't happen, to make sure guys get healthy, they get back, uh, and that when they get back, they're ready to go. So at the end of the day, I just trust Rick entirely (laughs) on this. I know you do too, and uh, he'll get us through this. And, again, it was bound to happen eventually. I'm glad it happened after a big win, you know, and, and we're going into the home stretch here with a little bit of leeway, but uh, just looking forward to getting past this, getting through it. And we have the guys to get us through it.
0: Yeah. Let's deal with Rick first. It's still archived. You can find it. However you find the defending kingdom podcast, whatever you use, um, whether you're on YouTube or Spotify or any place else as you can find it, it is archived. Let's just, you can uh, do a search engine. Look on YouTube, let's say. You'll find it. It's called The First Foe. It's an episode that we did with Rick at the very beginning of the 2020 season before but we, we mentioned that the biggest challenge to the Chiefs last year, if they were going to repeat the Super Bowl championship, get back to the Super Bowl, win another AFC championship, was not necessarily the opponents. Yeah, they were next in line, but it was the coronavirus first and foremost. Let's take it from there. It would be good for those of the those of you that are watching and listening to us uh, this on this episode to go back and find that episode and re-watch it and listen to it because it's it's revealing. But Matt, I didn't think the biggest challenge would be in week sixteen of the twenty twenty one season. I mean, we're sixteen months after that episode, and here we are. And I'm with you. Rick is the Chiefs' uh, emergency disease. Um, Response, infectious disease emergency response leader. He's also one of the top leaders in this league, as you alluded to, in helping with the protocols and trying to mitigate the coronavirus. But two, Dr. Sills takes his calls, right? I mean, he's got a big influence. And to have him in our fort leading the way gives me as much comfort as I could possibly have in an uncomfortable time and world.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And that's all we want, right? I mean, you and I, we live and breathe this stuff. All we want is for the team to be out there and to find success. And in order to do that, they have to be out there. So to have uh, our crew and our athletic training staff uh, not just – helping with the coronavirus, but also getting these guys on the field after injuries, you know, things like that. Those are little hidden things that maybe you don't appreciate as much, uh, unless things like this are going on. But we have a tremendous staff in place that is helping us get through this and make sure it doesn't get any worse. And that, you know, in a couple weeks, we can look back on this and say, hey, they really handled that well. Like, that's where we're so fortunate, I think.
0: The other thing, and you mentioned, is the leadership of Coach Reed. Time and time and time again, I've seen him handle flashpoints. I see him handle, he's a troubleshooter. He fixes it. 2014, 0 2 start, winning season 9 7. 15, 1 5 start, 10 straight wins, a postseason, first postseason win, first time in 22 years. 2017, losing six out of seven games, still winning the division. 2019, we remember parades and confetti and Travis Kelsey bringing up the Beastie Boys. We forget how many turns and twists there were of that season and how many weeds there were in the garden and this year I mean we just have seen him do it time and time and time again and here we are again with another one that's several this year that we faced but I just have confidence in him no matter who's on that list and who's not on that list he's going to try to figure out a way to win this week and keep moving forward his powering forward powering through it. mantra is not just an encouragement to me or anybody else in the kingdom. It's the way he lives his life and leads this team. And that is the most underrated part of Andy Reid's coaching acumen.
1: Yeah. Any organization, it finds success or failure based on its leadership. That's just the reality of it. Any organization at all. And a football team is not immune to that. A football team is completely directed by its leadership. And to have Coach Reid in place. Through any kind of circumstance. You mentioned it, you know, losing a couple of tough games or losing some players to injury or a situation like this. When you have a leader like Coach Reed, it gives you an advantage over just about everyone else because Coach Reed's don't grow on trees. You don't find guys like this. There's a reason that the Chiefs are the only team since 2013 to have a winning season every single year. Think about that. Every single year since 2013, the Chiefs have had a winning season. No other team has done that. And really, you can say, yes, of course, it's the players on the field. But what's the one constant through that entire time? It is Coach Reed. So he finds ways to get through all kinds of challenges. I have no doubt, zero doubt at all, he will find a way to get through this challenge here.
0: All right, let's pivot here a bit on the second part of this Defending the Kingdom episode, which is flashpoints in Russian history. Now, people understand me. I want you to understand me here. Uh, and my brother, by the way, is a expert in Russian history. Uh, he studied the culture most of his adult life. Uh, he's been involved there uh, in many ways. So I reached out to him and said, all right, the Steelers are one of the most resilient teams I've ever seen. Like, you can't get rid of these guys. The Vikings thought they were going to blow them out at 29 to nothing, and they're hanging on to win that game. There is. And so I compared what we say Russian history to Rasputin like the famous, infamous mystic of the last days of the uh, rule of Tsar Nicholas II, all right? That's the Russian Revolution, but they couldn't get rid of this guy. The people that wanted to get rid of Rasputin could not get rid of him. They tried everything and couldn't do it. Now, for those of you members of the Steeler Nation who may just be happening to stumble into defending the kingdom, take it as a compliment, because honestly, Matt, there has been no team in the NFL tougher than the Pittsburgh Steelers for 53 seasons. This has been the way they've lived their life for 53 years. Three head coaches in 53 years. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. There is no rhyme or reason, Matt, that the Steelers should come into this game Sunday at 7-6-1 and one if you just look at the numbers.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, I love that people can listen to Defending the Kingdom and get a history lesson. How about that? You learn some things. Also, the Russian analogy works so well because you think about us last weekend, just a few days ago, rooting for the Steelers. Like in World War II, you know, the Russians are our friends. And then all of a sudden, a week later, we're, <laughs> we're playing them. So here the Cold War has begun. We're playing the Russians here uh, on Sunday. But yeah, they're they're a tough team that has been this way forever. And it got me thinking about how several years ago, when Clark Hunt was looking to establish a culture here in Kansas City, he directly mentioned the Steelers numerous times, and for good reason. That's a culture and organization you want to be like. And the beauty of it is, I mentioned all the winning seasons since 2013, the Chiefs have established that now. The Chiefs have a winning culture similar to the Steelers. But the Steelers have been doing it a very long time. And even when they're having maybe a season that isn't quite to their standards, they still find a way to fight over and over again. So if you look at what they've done this season, notorious slow starters. In the first three quarters of games this year, they're being outscored by 96 points. Now, many teams, when they're being outscored by several touchdowns in the first three quarters of a game, they're going to roll over. They're going to be done. But the Steelers, they don't do that because they have veteran players that have been to Super Bowls, that have been to AFC Championship games and know how to win. They know how to fight for 60 minutes. They are outscoring teams by 49 points in the fourth quarter. All seven of their wins this year have been by one score. In many of those games, they were trailing and entering the fourth quarter. Four of them, actually, they were trailing in the fourth quarter and went on to win those games. So this is a team that... It's not always pretty. If you go back and watch the Titans game, I know a lot of Chiefs fans are watching that game. Not exactly a pretty performance, but they found a way in the end. And like Coach Biennemi always says, what matters in the end, it's the alphabets. It's if you won or you lost. No one cares how many style points you have. The Steelers don't have a lot of style points this season, but they're still alive in this playoff hunt because they find a way. So for the Chiefs in this game, particularly if you're down some players, Got to make sure you're playing a full 60 minutes. You can blitz them early on and have a lot of success, but in the fourth quarter, this team will not give up. So got to make sure we're playing a full game against these guys.
0: So we don't know who will be on the field for the Chiefs. We've got to monitor this really hour by hour. This isn't day by day. This is hour by hour of who's on that COVID-19 list, who's not, and who's available to go. And if they're not available to go, who takes their place? The second part of this is the Steelers are coming in with a lot to play for too. The Chiefs right now have the one seat in the AFC. We all know that the Steelers are seven, six and one and still have a chance to win the division in the AFC North, which is crazy. But to your point about the first three quarters in the last month, the Steelers have been outscored in the first three quarters, 74 to nine. They have no touchdowns in the first three quarters for a month. It hasn't happened since 1994. So I go back and look at it, but you know what? The next year they go to the Super Bowl. It's what they are. And then you mentioned the fourth quarter explosion. So how do they win? Well, they just do the right thing at the right time. And last week they did it against the Titans with those four takeaways, including a tip pass by Taco Charlton, former chief. But T.J. Watt, to me, becomes center stage in this discussion. T.J. Watt, who lived in the shadow of his brother J.J. for years, his brother Derek's on the team too, on the Steelers team. But Matt, for T.J. Watt to have 18 sacks, four forced fumbles, and when he gets a forced forced fumble, they've won three of those four games, but can completely wreck a game or flip a game, turn a game on one
1: or two plays. He really is, right now, I think the premier pass rusher in this league. T.J. Watt is a stud, and we kind of talked about this earlier this week. I feel like A couple years ago, he was kind of doing this same thing. And for whatever reason, he just wasn't getting a lot of credit as one of the best defensive players in the league because the Steelers, for a lot the last couple years, haven't been an elite team. They've been hanging around, like we've been talking about, but they weren't an elite team. Well, last year, I feel like, when they got off to that undefeated start, he started getting a lot of credit. And now he's just followed that up with an incredible season. I mean, 17 and a half sacks this year. And one note that I find interesting about him is that he seems to make this defense better when he's out there. And that seems obvious. Like, yeah, of course, he's getting sacks and making big plays. But when he is out there, he makes everyone else better, which I think is the best compliment you can ever give a football player or any athlete, really, for that matter. But when he is out there for 80% or more of snaps this year, Pittsburgh is 7-2. and it's unbelievable. They find ways to get wins when he's out there defensively for this team. Now he's been banged up at times and hasn't always been out there for his squad. And when he's not out there, they tend to struggle. So TJ Watt, Is really the heartbeat of this team defensively. And look at the game last week against the Titans. He had like a ribs injury or something. Like he was injured, but he wanted to go back in the game because he witnessed and recognized how big of a moment that was. He went back in and played through that injury and was a huge part of that victory for the Steelers. So TJ Watt, even though this defense overall for the Steelers has struggled for the most part this season, TJ Watt is a guy you have to always know where he is at all times.
0: A couple things here as we close out too, you're thinking, well, offensively, man, big Ben, what's he got left? probably his best year, or last year. He's got 19 touchdowns, seven picks. He just, he's also a grinder. He's the personification of his coach, Mike Tomlin and guys like uh, TJ White. But when you look at the categories of third down and red zone, both on offense and defense, they're there, they're there. And the fact that they have forced 107 opponent penalties for almost 900 yards. You're thinking, how do they go 7-6-1 and one and don't have glitzy stats? Those two areas. They're still hard to score on. They'll get their scores if they get a shot in the red zone and they'll force you into mistakes. Not only turnovers, but you've got to play discipline for 60 minutes against these guys. I don't care if you get a big lead. It does not matter. Call the Titans, call the Vikings, and call the other teams, the uh, Ravens that played these guys and have to hang on.
1: Yeah, and the Chargers as well. The Steelers almost beat the Chargers in their house after the Chargers had a huge lead. And you mentioned Big Ben in the offense. Big Ben isn't quite what he was when he was winning Super Bowls, but there's no disrespect to him. I mean, he's 39 years old. He's still playing at a pretty solid level. He can move the ball around. It's important to remember too that even though the Steelers' offense hasn't had a ton of success overall this season, they've only scored more than 30 points once. They still have playmakers that can beat you, that are legitimate, bona fide players in this league. Guys like Deontay Johnson. He's not just fast; he's quick. I mean, he's not Tyree Hill, but when you're watching him, he's kind of, in a way, has that kind of skill set where he can turn a quick little play into a huge game. He's a thousand yards and six touchdowns this season. Chase Claypool. A lot of controversy around him this year uh, for some of his antics, but you can't uh, disregard what a physical specimen he is. I mean, he he can go up and get a football on a 50-50 ball. So you got to know where he is at all times. We'll see if Pat Fryermouth plays in this game. Excellent tight end out of Penn State. Uh, rookie this year. Been in the end zone a whole lot. He's in concussion protocol. Him not being out there actually would be a very big deal. Um, but then lastly, Najee Harris. The Steelers don't run the ball a whole bunch, but they find ways to get Najee Harris involved. He is 1,300 yards from scrimmage this year. So the Steelers offense has talent and they have players. The issue, though, all year long for them has been their offensive line. That's truly their Achilles heel, I think.
0: Yeah, they're young. And they're kind of, I mean, there's a real young offensive line here. They're kind of redoing it after going through the years where they had Castro and Pouncey and, And uh, Villanueva, they were studs. Just they were, they were constant. Kind of like what the Chiefs are building right now on the offensive line. The Steelers hope to do that as well. And I don't want to leave Cam Hayward out of this discussion. That dude is a mauler at the line of scrimmage. And T.J. Watt can thank him for a lot of his stuff. But here we go. So, looking at flashpoint fixing. That's what Andy Reid does. What Rick Burkholder's done now for sure the last two years. And then Russian history, trying to get rid of Rasputin. You Steeler fans, just relax a little bit. I'm not saying you're the Russians, but just to give you an analogy, you guys are hard to beat. Let's just take that as a compliment. But Matt, here we go in a game where the Chiefs want to stay in that spot to be the one seed and get the bye in the AFC playoffs.
1: Yeah, and I think it's quickly important to note, not to get too caught up in everything that's going on right now, how exciting a moment this is. To think that the Chiefs started three and four and you and I privately and publicly just kept saying, just hold on. It's a long season. Just hold on. We believe in this team. We've watched them every day in camp, through OTAs, through everything. We believe in this group. And for them to rip off seven straight wins, to be in the position they're in now, to have the weekend like Chiefs Kingdom had, where you already have a win in your back pocket, and the Patriots lose and the Titans lose, so you move into that top seed in the AFC, it just is really exciting. And to have these three final regular season games Uh, as an opportunity to lock up the top seed in the AFC home field advantage through the playoffs its stuff that if we talked about it in mid-October, people wouldn't take us seriously. But we believe in this team. We knew that they could do it. And for them to achieve it uh, has been very exciting. So we've talked for for weeks now about how it's a lot of fun to go 14 and two to go 13 and three. But to have this season, the way it's unfolded, if we can accomplish what we know we can accomplish this year, I think this is the year we'll look back on and go, wow, that was a special one.
0: I can still hear the ringing of the doorbell. It was Halloween night. There were a lot of kids dressed up as Andy Reid. This one looked pretty good. Going, hey, what's our chances of winning or getting to the playoffs this year at three and four? I go, well, it's 6%. But the reason I believe we're going to make it is because of the guy you're dressed like. So here we are with a 99.3% chance of making the playoffs. So we'll monitor this uh, COVID-19 list over the next, I mean, really literally hour to hour until game time. Uh, but he's Matt McMullen. I'm Mitch Holtis. A special thanks to 360 Vodka for being the sponsor of this Defending the Kingdom podcast and the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. And Matt, to you and your family, I kid you about Monty McMullen, your mom, who might be the biggest Chiefs and Matt fan ever, maybe Tennessee volunteers, starting Mississippi State Bulldogs, but to you and your whole family, your whole family, uh, and to all of our Chiefs Kingdom family around the world, we want to wish all of you. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.